0: amen. All right. See you later. Bye, Matthew. Well, some of you might find this hard to believe, but when I was in high school, I played football. And I, 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 obviously I was not an offensive lineman. Okay. Um, but uh, I was fast, and that's what got me onto the team. Yes, back then, I could run. <laughs> Nowadays, not quite so much. But the, the big thing about football season was always homecoming, and the big pep rally you had at homecoming, and you know how awesome it was, and how it just kind of got yourself all worked up for the game that was going to happen the, the next day. And so, as I looked at this, the sermon for today, I'm thinking, you know what, this is an awful lot like a pep rally. Because what I'm going to share with you is nothing new. It's not going to be anything you're going to say, whoa, I didn't know that before. You're going to say, well, yeah, I know that. Yeah, I know that. Well, yeah, okay. You know, sometimes it's good to be reminded of certain things. But I think it's also good to get excited about certain things. And so today is sort of like a a pep rally for 2022. Now, I'm going to spare you the pom-poms, you know, because I don't think, you know, Jesse and I up here with pom-poms won't quite cut it. But um, the things I'm going to share with you are, are exciting, and they're cool, and I hope that as you leave here today, you're pumped up for 2022, that no matter what it brings, that, you know what, we have hope for this coming year. You know, we've been saying for the last week or so, you know, happy new year, happy new year. And certainly that is our wish for everybody, that they have a happy new year. But will we have a happy new year? with the way the political landscape is, with the way the the medical and health landscape is, um, there's a lot of turmoil. There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of fatigue, depression. And is this going to be a good new year? And there always seems to be other issues that come up that we have to deal with, that make it an inconvenience, make it a nuisance, and it consumes a lot of our time. And we just don't want to give that much time to that problem. Because, you know what, life happens. It just happens. And we have no guarantee of tomorrow, let alone that tomorrow will be happy because we live in a sin-filled world. Where there is anger and strife and illness and death. But for us as Christians, for those of us who follow Jesus, we do have hope. During the Christmas season, we spend a lot of time talking about the reason that Jesus came to this earth was because we were sinners. And he came for the purpose of dying on the cross for our sins. And that is absolutely true. That is why Jesus came. But a side benefit to that is that Jesus offers us hope of a better tomorrow. When we trust Christ as our Savior, our relationship with God has been restored again. And when our relationship with God is restored, when we're reconciled to God, we can claim the promises that he gives to us in the word of God. Now I'm going to fly through a a number of these verses, okay? So, but just take note of them, either mentally or write them down on the notes section of your bulletin. These are verses you have seen. These are verses you have heard, but let's remind ourselves of these verses, Psalm 46, 1 to 3. God is our refuge and strength. Starts out this way. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. That's a pretty devastating picture of what's happening on the earth. But it says... God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Psalm 73, 26. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength. Psalm 73, God is the strength of my heart. He is also the rock that we can hold on to when the rest of the world is being shaken apart. Psalm 18:2, "The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer; my God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold." He's the one we can cling to when everything else is falling apart. When everything else is changing, we can cling to God as our rock, who never changes. He will always be there for us, Hebrews 13, 5. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. He gives us peace and rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He gives us comfort when we need comfort. Jeremiah eight eighteen. You who are my comforter in sorrow... My heart is faint within me. Isaiah 49, 13. Shout for joy, you heavens. Rejoice, you earth. Burst into song, you mountains, for the Lord comforts his people. And will have compassion on his afflicted ones. 2 Corinthians 1, 3. To 11. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. For we are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. We think you ought to know, my dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought... We would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger, and, we'll, and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us. And you are helping us by praying for us. Then many people will give thanks Because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety. A lot of verses that I know you're familiar with. I know that you have heard many times, but it's good to be reminded that God is there for us. He gives us comfort when we need comfort, He is the rock that we can cling to when everything else seems to be changing. He never changes. He's the one who can give us strength when we feel like we don't have any more strength and energy to go on. He will never leave us nor forsake us. And what a great reminder that as we enter into this new year, we're going to be faced with lots of things. But verses to, again, replay in our mind, in our hearts, knowing that, yeah, you know what? I can make this. I can do this because God is with me. God has given me the ability to make it through. And you know, every difficulty, every trial that we face has a spiritual component to it. Because God uses every trial and every difficulty to give us an opportunity to either respond in faith or to allow the situation to overwhelm us and crush us. God doesn't want us to waste those difficulties, those trials that we face. He wants us to have a stronger and stronger faith. Ephesians 6, 11 and 12 says this, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. See, those difficulties, those trials, those things that we're facing is a spiritual issue. How are we going to respond? Because Satan is attacking us. Satan is coming after us. Because we're children of God. And he wants to make our witness. He wants to make our life worthless. It's a spiritual issue. How are we going to respond? Now, I I like to read biographies. I like to read true stories of real people. I'm not into fiction, I'm not into fantasy, Um, but I've been told I I live in a fantasy world because I I go to my happy place where the Eagles win another Super Bowl, and I even have my Eagle shirt on today, see, see. Um, but Buzz brings me back to reality and says, Pittsburgh has six. Well, I, I read a biography on Clarence Thomas. Um, it's called My Grandfather's Son, and he, he wrote this memoir about his early life and then being appointed to the Supreme Court. And for those of you who are old enough, remember in the early uh, 1990s of uh, Clarence Thomas being Uh, nominated for the Supreme Court and then also the confirmation hearings that went on and then also to um, hear about, well, the confirmation hearings were pretty much over until Anita Hill came on the scene and the allegations from her and then having more hearings to deal with those allegations and um, just, the, the trauma that went with that. And, you know, he could have called it quits. He, he could have walked away and said, you know what, you know, enough's enough. Um, he knew the accusations were false. His coworkers knew the accusations were false. And he could have said, you know what, it's just not worth it. it just, I don't need to deal with this. I mean, he was already physically, mentally, and emotionally drained from all the hearings that went on prior to the ones with Anita Hill Uh, because they were grueling. And there were a number of people that did not want him on the Supreme Court and were fighting diligently to keep him off the Supreme Court. But when the new allegations came forward and he had to decide... You know, yeah, am I going to do this? Am I not going to do it? He, he decided to go ahead. And he decided to go on with these allegations and answer them. And so that's where I want to pick up from his book. Uh, Virginia is his wife. Virginia and I went home to Alexandria to find our answer machine full of reassuring messages. We spent the evening praying, reading the Bible together, and listening to religious music. Before going to bed, we asked four of our friends, Elizabeth and Stephen Law, and Kay and Charles James, to come over the next morning to join us in prayer. They showed up bright and early, carrying a bag of donuts and bagels, past all the reporters camped outside of our house. The six of us chatted for a little while, then we sat in a circle, held hands, and asked the Lord for help. Both couples came back each day until the battle was over, and their company was, priceless, was a priceless gift. Where two or three are gathered in my name, Jesus said, I am there among them. He was among us. It had long since been clear to me that this battle at the bottom was a spiritual battle, not political So my attention shifted from politics to the inward reality of my spiritual life. I have been proud of my work at the EEOC and the Department of Education, and no less proud that I had spent nearly a decade in the public eye without being touched by personal scandal. Might I have been too proud? It occurred to me for the first time that, that I had cherished my good name In the same way that a wealthy man cherishes his money. I remember how Jesus had told the rich man to give away his fortune and come and follow me. Perhaps I would have to renounce my pride to endure this trial. Even as Cardinal Mary DeVille had prayed for deliverance in his litany of humility. Deliver me, O Jesus, from the fear of being humiliated from the fear of being despised, from the fear of suffering rebukes. In addition to suspecting that I had committed the sin of pride, I saw that I was resisting what God had put before me. Father, let this cup pass away from me, Jesus had prayed in the garden of Gethsemane, but thy will, not mine. The second half of his prayer was the hardest part. Until then, I had been concentrating on wanting the confirmation debate to come to an end, drawing back from total submission to God's will. Now I had no choice but to submit completely. I could do nothing to push the cup away. The time had come to stand to his will, not mine. I could not know whether doing so would make the experience less difficult, but I had faith that his transcendent purpose would sustain me to the end of it and beyond. He had never failed me, even in my darkest hours. Even when I openly rejected him, his forgiving and sustaining grace had always been there. I knew that it would give me the glimmer of hope I needed now more than ever. It was in, this, it was in these consoling words of the prophet Isaiah that I found my watchword. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Two things stand out to me from what he wrote here. The first was having the right thinking. Knowing that what he was facing was not a political thing. But it was a spiritual battle because God placed that in front of him to test him and say, okay, what are you going to do with this? What are you going to do with this, Clarence? Are you going to trust me? Or are you just going to throw it all in? Say, so forget it. I'm, I'm not going to do it. But he had the right thinking. Philippians 4.8 says this. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. He had the right thinking. This was a spiritual battle. And I need to employ spiritual things the whole armor of God for one. But you know what else he did? He called two of his friends, two couples to come and join him. What really stuck out to me was that they came with donuts and bagels. That's not what stuck out to me. But they came every day until the battle was over. Friends, we need each other we need each other. As we try to make it through 2022, we need each other. We need, we need each other to come together to pray, to be encouraged, to be encouraged about things to do or maybe not to do. Ecclesiastes 4 talks about the importance of having a friend. There's Talks about, you know, a cord of many strands is stronger than just one. And if you're all alone and you fall down, who's there to pick you up? And uh, we need each other. Friends, that's why small groups are so important. To me, small groups are not, well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be a part of one if I feel like it. No, I, I, it's, small groups are essential for our Christian lives. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as arpen sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We need each other. So turn to the person next to you and say, I need you. Well, I hope you meant it when you said that. I'm not sure, but we need you. That's right. We need each other. And another reason that we can have hope for the new year, besides that God is there for us, besides having one another, the hope that we can have for a new year is because of what's in front of us. That at this very moment, God is preparing a place for us. Last week, Pastor Jesse talked about heaven, and that's going to be a perfect place made specifically for all of us. I tell you what, last week, I chuckled, I chuckled so much. Pastor Jesse was talking about Revelation 22, and in verse 5, it says, and there'll be no more night, and Micah Stalsfus said, yes. No bedtime. (laughs) I don't know about you, but when you get to my age, it's, yeah, I can't wait till bedtime, you know? But he was so excited because there's going to be no more night, which meant there's going to be no more bedtime. And to him, to a seven-year-old, that's pretty exciting. But for the rest of us, just the thought of being in heaven it's gonna be awesome, it's gonna be exciting, and it gives us something to look forward to. So when things of this world are not what we expect, not what we have hoped for, we can be thankful that God is preparing a place especially for us, where we are going to dwell forever and ever and ever. And that is something incredible to look forward to. That gives us hope that we have something more than life on this earth to deal with. We have heaven to look forward to. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 13 to 18 says this, but we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. We know that God, who raised the Lord Jesus, will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving. And God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, fix our gaze on things... That cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Friends, we can have hope in this new year because God is with us. He's our comforter, He's our strength, He's the rock that we can cling to. We can have hope for the new year because we have each other where we can find fellowship, where we can find encouragement. That's right, folks, you need me, (laughs) just like I need you. We need each other. We can have hope for the new year because (laughs) this is not all there is, folks. This is not all there is. We have a special place waiting for us in heaven that will be ours forever and ever and ever. I want to end with a song by Laura Story. It's called Blessings. That's right, this is not our home. We have something to look forward to. We ask the worship team to come on up front here. Our closing song is Because He Lives. Because He Lives, what? We can face tomorrow. So as you leave here, I hope that you are pumped up, you're excited because he lives, we can face tomorrow because we have hope that God will never leave us, will never forsake us, that he'll always be there for us, he will be our comforter, he will be our strength, he will be our rock. We have hope because we have one another. We have hope because there is someplace waiting for us that is far better than this earth. You know, this earth isn't bad sometimes. But heaven's going to be far beyond our expectations. Because he lives...